to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. Hey Nick, how you going, mate? I'm great. Good morning, great man. How are you? I'm well. I liked how you're trying to suss me out, see who would speak first there. It really has become a unique competition of sorts, is who can pull the trigger first on the podcast. It really has. But that time we were both like, no, you have it. Yeah, yeah, like a weird take on like a Western jewel or something. I don't know. It's like when, uh, you know, like the last chip is at the table and everyone actually wants it, but everyone's like, no, please, have have it, please. But everyone's secretly hoping they say, no, you have it. <laughs> well, you've won up to me here today, Rob, but uh, yeah, the war's not over. And in that situation, Nick, you just take it. You just take that, that yeah, chip. Yeah, you do. You just roll with it, honestly. You count your blessings and you move on. <laughs> How you been, mate? What's 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 going on in the world of Nick Hocus? In the world of Nick Hocus, uh, it is same old, same old, as it often is. Wait, law? Yeah, I'm actually a law student. I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's really it, Rob. Just grinding, man. This is the first time I actually have to prepare for exams like weeks out. It's actually like I really have to. Do you? Yeah, like... Do you though? Need exam notes. Fair enough. When you can bring exam notes into the exam, you just like, that means you need to spend a lot of time making exam notes. That's a good point, actually. Nick, just be careful not to make the notes too big. Remember that was a warning that Gareth Roberts gave us in year 10 or something. Oh, really? He's like, when you do law, you don't want the notes just to be like this endless giant page of just notes. Because then you're going to be spending half your time looking through the notes, mate. I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, they have to be concise. And you also ha- you should probably know most of them anyway by yep. the time you're done. I have a strong feeling that one of your fellow law comrades won't be uh, doing his notes <laughs> a couple of weeks out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I've, I've learned to not make judgments about that specific comrade. Because uh, <laughs> you really never... You, he keeps you guessing. <laughs> and that's why we love him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you want to update on what has been happening in the news this week, Rob? I'd love, I'd love that, Nick. Update on the WA COVID situation. So last week we haven't talked about this, but it was a little while ago now. There were two new cases, or three new cases. Sorry, there was a dude who was working as a hotel quarantine worker who got an infection separate to the outbreak that had been happening before, and spread it to his two out of seven roommates uh, who were working as delivery uh, food delivery drivers. So that happened, but that has not spread at all. I can't believe that that hasn't spread. Firstly, only two of his seven roommates. Secondly, seven roommates? What is what is, is this some late-stage capitalist bullshit? And thirdly, the delivery drivers haven't spread it. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. I mean, you know, they do do precautions though. That's the thing. And the, the restrictions were already in place. This is why, come Saturday night, everyone's saying, oh, here comes the next lockdown. You know, Marky's definitely going to pull the trigger on this one. Old, old Marxist McGowan. Yeah. I was just saying, like, I don't know if he will. Because if we got barely any community transmission for the last outbreak, this outbreak yeah. we had masks and everyone, there were pre-existing uh, restrictions. Yeah. 
So I'm actually not really surprised it spread all, but I still am generally surprised it doesn't spread in WA for some reason. Yeah, I, I think the seven roommates thing is what it surprised me the most. Yeah, that was quite weird. And they're all on like, you know, quarantine worker, delivery drivers. Yeah. Again, this is a problem with contract work and insecure work in general, hey? This is the gig economy. This is what the gig economy needed to be shown how fucking flawed it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah, gig economy sucks. But aren't we all kind of a part of that and benefiting from that? It is flexible. No, Nick. Don't <laughs> don't buy into this neoliberal stuff, mate. Right, I'm sorry, man. I've been infected. Ah, oh, mate. You just got to think about it like we'd still have the same flexibilities if we were part-time, right? That's true. You just you, you phone up your boss and you yeah. say, I can't come in today. I got something on. They say, that's all right. You'll make up for it next week. Exactly. So it's the exact same, except you also get paid leave. And you don't just like, if you get sick or die, you don't just like, they're just not like, oh, well, your, con- your contract don't actually work for us. Sorry, mate. On your own here. Yeah. I, I was surprised to learn that um, casual is not a, a a thing that exists in law, like a casual worker. It's just like, if you're not part-time and you're not full-time, you're just casual. And there's like, there's no rules about it. Yeah. Casual work's actually so bad when you look at it. It's like, yeah, you get $3 extra an hour, but... Is that worth it? No security. And when you're privileged as fuck like me and you, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But if you're... you're when daddy plays for your healthcare anyways. <laughs> yeah. When you're on that private health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Waiter. Oh, oh, God. All right, let's move swiftly on. Yeah, quick, please. Um. <laughs> New South Wales has had an outbreak as of yesterday. And what's uh, General Gladys done about it, actually? I, I don't... Has she done anything? I think the contact traces are just working uh, day in, day out to try and isolate Is there that. any, like, temporary lockdown or anything? I don't know. I don't think there is. That's New South Wales style, right? Like, just contact tracing. Yeah. Old Berejiklistan. So, we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Man, we really got a pun for everyone, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I've stolen most of those from Friendly Geordies. We're in that one side. That's all right. You see he's been sued by uh, John Barillaro. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't think that'll go very far. Neither. Someone will offer to do pro bono for Friendly Geordie, surely. You'd imagine. But yeah. the fact that a fucking the Deputy Premier of New South Wales is suing a YouTuber. What has the world come to? <laughs> oh, God. The Tasmanian state election, Libs win. Cool. That I, was I, expected. I didn't even know this was going on until the Me night. Me neither. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I knew like a few days before. I was like, what? So, what's your analysis of the Tasmanian state election, Nick? Uh, my analysis is that the incumbent Liberal Premier benefited off the COVID pandemic, and uh, that's why he won. Yeah, it did seem a bit like a, a COVID election, basically. Yeah, COVID. You know, by the way, this is an aside. You know, Dr. Norman Swan on the ABC. Oh, Normie. Yeah, the guy who says COVID-19. Yeah. I saw him get um, a vaccine live on telly last night. Good on him. So he's been, he's gotten his first shot. It seems like a lot of people, a lot of like semi-important people do that. Didn't Biden do that? He did, I think, yeah. I wonder if Trump's got his vaccine. Surely, right? He's he's waiting to die. <laughs> Remember when he got COVID and we were just like, he's dead. There's no way this bloke that's got the worst diet in the world and like is, you know, is Donald Trump 70 whatever is not dying. 
but turns out when you have access to the best healthcare facilities on the planet, you'll yeah. probably survive that one. Weird that. If only we just extended those services to everyone. If only we extended those services to India, Nick. Which I think might be our next point on our news, right? Yeah. Of course, we're going to talk about the the harsh restrictions that the government has placed on uh, Australians seeking to return uh, to Australia from India. They can face up to five years in prison uh, and 60, a $60,000 fine. Which Scott Morrison said like won't be enforced anymore. He seemed to have kind of backflipped on that yeah, one. Yeah, there has been a backflip here. It, it was such a strange announcement. It came out on midnight uh, last Friday. So, you know, you can tell it was one of the... I don't know how this Here got Here you go, guys, just rush your hunt through the media. Yep, no worries. Um, and this is, the government has started to backflip. They're facing intense opposition on this one. No other country has done anything like this. The US and the UK are saying, come back to your country. Um, you know, we're going to have extra flights to repatriate you. Australia is saying, you're a criminal if you try and return. <laughs> So yeah, he backflipped. Do you, do you actually see when he did the backflip? It was on like uh, one of those like fluff morning shows. It was, yeah. With Carl Stefanovic. And I, I heard the audio because Carl or whatever morning, average morning breakfast host called him heartless. It was like, is this a heartless move? Yeah, it was like some serious journalism. Speaking <laughs> of, I've never seen the press so angry at a prime minister, at a liberal prime minister for that matter, actually. I've seen Julie Gillard and... And co go through this before. Yeah, what's going on here, Nick? I think this is just a, a terrible blunder, just a mis- straight up mistake. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Who would think this is a good idea? I don't know how this got past cabinet, but a whole bunch of his backbenchers wrote a note to the prime <laughs> minister saying, "End this travel ban." Oh, it's so bad. It's terrible. Um, on that on that point, Nick, little impromptu news for you. The IPL's been cancelled. I know you're a big cricket fan at heart. Um, and all the cricketers, they have to, like, spend, like, a couple of weeks in, like, some Maldivi or Sri Lankan, like, paradise just to pass the COVID test oh, yeah, and the then come back test. to WA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or to Australia, sorry. Fucking oh, God. man. I feel for those guys. Poor guys. It's going to be so shit. Million dollar year contract or whatever. <sighs> man. Yeah, ScoMo doesn't look out for the little guy, does he? Exactly. <laughs> this is... One thing I have here is that, you know, early on especially, ScoMo was saying, you know, this is what the health advice tells us. And I hope people can see through that kind of bullshit. Because, you know, every premier does that now. They're like, oh, it's what the health advice is saying. The health advice is, like all things, you know, is a judgment call. It involves yep. normative judgments. It's... Rob, it's kind of a weird neoliberal creeping into this kind of policy area to say, oh, this is the health advice. It's like saying, yeah, oh, this is the economic advice. This is what the economic experts say. This is the correct response. Which is what, yeah, they've been saying about free markets for a billion years. How's that working? And it's kind of like the same thing here. So everyone just, yeah, I'm sure everyone kind of has seen through this now, especially because everyone's coming down hard on ScoMo. But the health advice isn't isn't clear cut. Yeah. You got to take the health advice with a grain of salt. Every decision is political. That's something I've learned in the last few weeks, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Everything is political. It's fucking There's weird. There's few things that don't involve normative judgments and assumptions. Yeah. Nick, you, that's some high brain power there. <laughs> I'm going to skip the point about the budget, Rob, because we'll talk about the budget, I'm sure, heaps. But 
ScoMo's leaking up. stuff about the budget, basically. Yeah, we should probably get into... We've actually gone a bit long there, Nick, hey? We have gone a bit long, so let's look straight so into it. so interesting. I know, we're just such interesting guys. <laughs> Peter Dutton uh, is the head of the new defense department, and he's doing signaling a new change, a new shift in that department. Yeah. Um, first of all, why does Peter Dutton always get these really crucial roles in the government that involve Australian national security? It freaks me out that that guy's in charge of our security. Yeah. I think he did a terrible job in home affairs, but probably a good job by liberal standards in that, yeah. Didn't ScoMo praise him widely for his job at home affairs? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they all did. Apparently, if you keep away all of the asylum seekers and you lock up enough kids, you do a good job. Yeah. He really scares me. Just his face. He looks like an angry potato. He is hell scary. He's even more scary now with his... Stamping up his rhetoric, he's basically signaled a new phase in our defense policy, one that is increasingly hesitant, taking military precautions against China. Yeah. Uh, Any of our allies looking to back us up on this one, or is it like we were going to go with the investigation into the Wuhan virus? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, interesting, New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern is signalling the thing like that now. I can't remember exactly what she said a week and a bit ago, but she basically said we have to be more cautious of China now. Oh, well, there you go, Nick. Good to know, hey? Jacinda, our buddy Jacinda is with us. But, yo, I, I will say, Peter Dutton has, especially with what we talked about the other week where that defence, the new chief of defence went off on a tangent and started talking about the beating drums of war. Peter Dutton is really stamping it up. We already mentioned how he tore up Victoria's collaboration with the new Belt and Road Initiative. So yep. that's him flexing that federal legislation that allows him to tear up any state agreement yep. that uh, violates uh, national interest or national security, which is another one of those buzzwords that they love. They can just do anything in the justification of national, national security. Yeah, national interest. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I've seen we're spending millions in the northern part of Australia to upgrade our defence facilities, Nick? Yep, yep. That's uh, been ScoMo's little little brainchild for the past few years. But that money is going in. It's pretty clear what that is for, really. Yeah. I think that is a pretty big threat and the only threat that really is worth building that for, right? Yeah. Whether, whether it's necessary is beside the point with that to one side. And now, Rob, you have this country... Lib- so, in 2015, the then country Liberal Party government of the Northern Territory decided to allow a Chinese state-owned enterprise, and you know, we've talked about those before, they're just companies owned by the Chinese government, to buy up a 99-year lease on a port up in um, Darwin. And now, at the time, the federal government, there was some concern that this might be a, a, str- a security problem. And now everyone's reviewing it. And I think it's likely that the federal government might use their legislation to tear up that deal. And China has signaled they're going to be pissed if that happens. Yeah. I don't think the Chinese will be too happy about all this, really. Uh, And again, it's another step in this kind of posturing between Australia and China, which has been almost like a narrative of this year, really. So it's very concerning, isn't it, Nick? Because China, this might surprise you, very big country. They got a lot more stuff than us. A fair bit more stuff. If you could, if you could imagine. <laughs> uh, 
so Nick, what what do you do? You think these are smart, you know, military uh, precautions? Do you think we we should be taking these ones? Well, what, why don't I direct you to the poll? That's first. exactly what do the people think, Nick? The people think. Let me get the percentages up here. Seventy-one percent of people said no. We should not be start taking military precautions against China. Uh, I did vote twice in that one, so maybe that's skewed oh. a bit. Oh, you swinged the results. Sorry, mate. And yes is 27%. So maybe you know, bump up yes a little bit. Bump, we'll round, round yes up to 30%, eh? But, you know, in general, there were maybe, maybe yeah, 30, 70 or 35, 65. Yeah, sounds about right. Of our listenership. So that's quite interesting. I, it's another good question because I think it... It got people on the fence as well. Yeah. Some people do seem to have a very, uh, like, a drilled in them, a kind of fear of China. Maybe that's because they've been listening to us for the last year and we've always talked about how much of a threat China <laughs> yeah, is. maybe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But we voted no, which is quite interesting. Why don't you explain your position, Rob? Um, increasingly, over the last year, I've kind of realized that, like, a military response to China is not the way we can actually hurt China. And Australia by itself cannot hurt China. We need US New York, US support, really. And I think the only way you can really hurt, you know, conduct war in the modern age is by basically cutting off trade supply. So that's why the South China Sea is so important, I think. And that's why also, like, a partnership with India and Sri Lanka is very important because you can lock off a lot of the world by locking off that, you know, channel between India and Sri Lanka, to China, that is. So, yeah, I don't know if military responses is really the best way to, you know, deal with that. I think much more important would be through, like, foreign affairs and diplomacy would be a better way of dealing with it. Yeah, I I tend to agree. We've talked a lot about how China is doing some really bad stuff, but that doesn't necessarily warrant that a military solution is the best solution. And there's plenty of things that we need to cooperate uh, on with China still. I mean, the obvious one is global global warming and climate change yeah huge collective action action problem that won't go away and we need china's cooperation with so yeah you have to respond to these with other means like you were saying i think military precautions aren't really the best the best thing to do they're also kind of fruitless in the end yeah exactly i don't really like in the modern world i don't think military precautions are really that useful because everyone's just constantly posturing with nuclear weapons anyway so as long as you align yourself with a nuclear nation really you don't really fucking need military to be honest and the u.s is back in the picture that remember that was a big concern last year is the u.s leaving the pacific for good no as it turns out it will not happen under a biden administration yeah at least yeah for sure so we've got that bulwark of the United States and their security framework. So yeah, we're we're sitting in a decent place, I think. So yeah, it. I think it's no longer really necessary. Is my main main reason why I voted no twice. <laughs> yeah, just to stack the numbers up against you in your favor. Rob. Yeah, I should in future I'll only vote with one of my accounts, Nick. Yeah, that's all right. Sorry about that, mate. That's okay, mate. <laughs> Apologize to yourself, really. It's your podcast. <laughs> yeah okay fair enough maybe i should abstain from voting as a as a host of the podcast yeah maybe we should actually we'll think about and we'll that. reveal our votes oh live on air live on air oh very nice i like it nick yeah that well let's do that all right that's the future policy going forward you heard it here first guys all right rob i just want to say nick quickly before before we finish sorry yeah 
do you think this is a cold war uh, between the West and China? No? I don't like using the term cold war. Could you adopt the term neo-cold war or some? Because, you know, you no. throw neo in front of anything. And yeah, I, I, I resent that. The, the like, <laughs> if you were to do that. Just, like, try and, like, be edgy about, oh, it's the neo-cold war. I don't think it is, man. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> not. Not many proxy wars going on. Not yeah, many true. similarities. Cold war is an interesting word. Move past it. Move Rob, on. The Biden has made a big speech to Congress. Big bucks from Biden. It was his 100 days in office speech. Has it really only been 100 days? This was a, a week ago. So, that 100 just flew past me. But yeah, I know, right? Because I remember Trump's like hundred day anniversary, and I was just like, "How has it only been a hundred days? Like, <laughs> this is disaster." It's a streets. waking nightmare. But seems now, a lot less. Everything seems a bit calmer in the US right now. Thank, thank God. But the big, I guess, the big takeaway of his speech, I listened to a bit of it. He was focusing on this kind of America's back idea to the American people and the world as well. And it was actually kind of cool as well that he had two women behind him, Speaker of the House, or Leader of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and Kamala Harris, the, the VP. Pretty boss, actually. People pointed that out. Yeah, pretty cool. Good I mean, on him. Yeah, Biden's still a white old guy, but that's fine. Look, you know, you got to take the good with the bad, hey? <laughs> and then he uh, unveiled this big cash splash. Dollar bills, dollar bills. $2.3 trillion. That is an insane amount of money to think about. The word yeah. the word trillion gets thrown around a lot. And you'd lose, like, ideas of how big a trillion is. But, like, if you got a trillion grains of rice, that'd be enough to feed you for, like, a week, right? Yeah, a trillion is 1,000 billion. That's so, so much. much. Over eight years. So, that's huge spending. And it's over all kinds of stuff, Rob. Uh, for another four years of free education, two years of preschool and two years of community college, $600 billion in infrastructure for roads, bridges, and buses, which I, I will say is sorely needed. <laughs> I, I listened to this big podcast about how infrastructure in the US was just br- like broken, like falling apart. Yeah, it's pretty grim, especially in the South. Yeah. And there's yeah, there's a lot of issues between like who will pay over the state and the federal government. Federal government here is clearly saying there's going to be a big cash splash. So that this is great, Rob. This is what I've always wanted. It's what you, you yeah you love to see the U.S. government actually getting involved and not just going, hey, we'll leave it up to the market. But Nick, I want to ask you. I want to ask you the question that uh, you know you always get asked whenever you spend a lot of money is, how are you going to pay for it, mate? <laughs> Or who's going to pay for it, Nick? He's gonna, well, okay, apparently apparently he's going to raise the corporate tax rate to 28%. And it was, remember, it was 30% under Obama, and then Trump dropped it to 20%. Biden's going to raise it to 28%. Apparently, this whole thing will pay itself off in 15 years because of that. He also, I think, I think signaled targeting people earning over 400K, uh, raising their tax. And also the classic think of thing of saying, you know, we're going to take offshore money and, and make tax it here, which they can never do. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's going to pay itself off in 15 years, which is, yeah, maybe fanciful, but who cares? Run yourself into a bit of a deficit. That's fine. Yeah. The US is in like a trillion dollars of debt anyways, right? That's fine. Their debt to GDP is not even that high. 
Yeah, it's fine. Debt is, again, we've talked about this a billion times. Debt doesn't really matter. Debt for governments, not bad. Good, really. Governments never die, Nick. Governments never die and they grow. Exactly. Yeah. So, Rob, this is, I mean, fantastic. All this big spending. Yeah. A, a real return to some Keynesian style, big cash splashes. People are, you know, branding this maybe the 21st century New Deal. That's probably a bit fanciful. I mean, probably. But this is, you know, the scale of this spending is more than has happened since that time. Yeah. 2.3 trillion, Nick. Yeah. And this Think is, about it. you know, progressives are, are, are really applauding Biden for this. There were some talks. You know, that was the big question on everyone's mind when Biden won and came in. Is he going to actually be the kind of moderate that he set himself up to be? Or is he going to be, is he going to cater towards the progressives of the Democratic Party more? And this is a very, very big cash splash. Not, you know, not as big as some of the progressives were saying, but yep. it's still very big. And I think it's solely needed, really, in the US, Definitely. especially since the disaster that was the handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. And they're already doing much better. I mean, the vaccinations are truly impressive. Um, they yeah. really How got their shit together. How much their population is vaccinated now? Do you Pro- know, Nick? No, I don't know. But I will actually mention, I forgot to put this on my news. You're seeing amazing scenes right now in LA and New York and other parts of the US and also the UK, I'll say, about them actually just opening up. They have the capacity to just open up now, no masks. So in the UK, I saw a big story about the first music festival where you had to get tested on your way in. Um, and once you got that negative, you could roam around the music festival with no masks. And like people were like crying because obviously they've been through like tough lockdowns. And it really felt like a moment where it was the end. Yeah, that would, that would feel great. By the way, uh, 43% of the United States population is vaccinated. Wow. That's a lot. So that's pretty impressive. Much better than us. <laughs> I don't want to look at Australia's vaccination rate. Uh, Point oh oh oh. <laughs> oh man, it's truly truly cool though seeing people in the US like reunited with their friends um, after it, over a year. It is truly amazing. So they're all yeah. opening up. So it's things- particularly amazing for those more progressive states like California which actually kind of followed medical advice for again medical advice uh for the most part and like locked down for pretty much the whole year yeah definitely because you know Texas has been open a week after the virus hit the shores Florida yeah Yeah, Florida. (laughs) Florida oh god so that's kind of amazing and yeah so there's uh it's looking a bit a bit more rosy for the uh for the US it's amazing this hey um, Exciting times, and yeah, some I just sort of coincidence going on. I, I just am so happy that this has happened. I mean, maybe it'll encourage our government to spend more. Probably not. They've already spent a lot. But maybe it'll right encourage our, our our population to realize that maybe neoliberal conservative governments aren't the best way to move forward. Yeah, I will Fingers mention crossed. the Republicans are very opposed naturally to this. They're saying you're spending too much money. And I just like, you look at the state of the US and I'm like, how can you say like you should spend less money on things like welfare and social housing and all this stuff? Yeah, that and also like the 8% increase in corporate tax. I'm sure they didn't, they wouldn't have been imposed to, you know, a decrease in corporate tax, which might have cost even more. Yeah. 
I remember like, Republicans just like money going to the rich. They do, yeah, because that's all their fucking mates. I remember when when Trump cut the corporate tax rate. I don't know why I know this. Patagonia, the U.S. clothing company, uh, donated all of their extra money from that to environmental funds. Wow, that would have been really good PR for them. It was, yeah. That's why. That's why I know because yeah. they used it as PR. Exactly. But there you go. Um, no one donates money just for the good of donating money. Not anymore, man. They all want that deductible gift receipt. <laughs> I will also say this last point as well, Rob. There was still this big focus, obviously, on American jobs. That's not new. But Biden had this point about, he said this, why can't wind turbines be built in Pittsburgh and not Beijing? And isn't that kind of still a very protectionist point? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Um, I don't know. I'm a bit neoliberal when it comes to trade. I kind of don't mind trade. Um, to answer your question, Biden, is because they can build it cheaper. But if you want to subsidize your businesses, sure, whatever. I don't really care. Yeah, I it it always gets tricky because the, yeah, there is an argument if you have the, the infant industry argument, where you are you want to subsidize your industry to protect it. But yeah, more often than not, it's actually really hard to defend protectionism, basically, or like you know, instead of buying this from Beijing, we're going to build it here because that's actually worse off for everyone overall. Yeah. If you look at trade theory, but yeah. it gets blurry in, in the, the practical world. Yeah. Unfortunately, the real world doesn't operate on these demand and supply models where there's a perfectly free market where consumers and suppliers have come together. If only. There's always all these little complications and, you know, most of the time it's just consumers aren't actually fully informed. Yeah. That's the biggest one. Information, all these kinds of problems. If only a Macro 101 student could map out the entire world economy. Yeah, fuck them. That's what I say. <laughs> All right. I think on that note... Yeah, I got to go to work, Nick. Oh. <laughs> oh, damn. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. What are our socials again, Rob? Uh, at Unrepresentative Swill on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And at Swill Podcast on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. Keep an eye out for the poll. We'll see you later. We'll see you next week. <laughs>